I learned a valuable lesson this week. It was a valuable lesson. What happened was earlier this week, my wife and I had an appointment that we had to go to in the evening. And what happened was that I came home a little bit later from work than I expected. My wife came home a little bit late from work than she expected. And so neither one of us was able to make dinner. And we have our three youngest, three teenagers at home, hungry. And so I get home. My wife is running late. I get home before her, and I know that as soon as she gets there, we have to leave. And so what I say to my three youngest, I say, okay, here's the deal. What we're going to do tonight is we're going to have Wawa. Tell me your Wawa order, and then you guys can spend some time together, you know, binge watch something on Netflix or something. Go ahead. My youngest runs down the steps after I say this, and he goes, for real, for real, no cap? I'm not sure why you're laughing, so we'll see. (laughs) So he says that, and I look over at him, and I'm like, what? (laughs) And my three teenagers start to laugh out loud. And they're laughing, and they're laughing, and I'm like, what did you say? And he looks at me, he goes, no cap? And I'm like, of course there's going to be a cap. What do you think? I'm not made out of money. You're not going to be able to buy whatever you want at Wawa. And when I get home, you're going to have to turn off the TV. So, of course, there's a cap. And I'm looking at them, and and hands are on their faces. They're shaking their foreheads. And my youngest looks at me and says, Dad, no cap means no kidding. (laughs) He says it means no lie. And that's where I learned a valuable lesson. (laughs) The lesson is this. I am old. I'm old. And what was happening in that moment? What was the problem there? We're both speaking a word that we both recognize, and yet the filter through which we're looking at it affects the definition that we have for it, right? We're both saying the word. We both mean something different. Here's why that's important. Today, we're going to be talking about a word that you will see often during this season. Today, we're going to talk about a word that you might see on coffee cups, uh, that you might see on decorations at houses, you might see in Walmart. And depending on the filter you are using, you are assigning a definition to this word. And what I want to do today is make sure that we are using the filter from the Bible today to define this word. And the word that I'm talking about is peace. Peace. If you have a Bible, we're going to be looking at one verse today. We're going to be studying one verse from John 14, verse 27. John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So let me give you some background on what's going on here. Uh, We are nearing the end of Jesus's ministry on earth at this point. 
Jesus knows that in just a short amount of time, he's going to be arrested. He's going to be tried. He's going to be placed on a cross and die a brutal death. He knows this and he's with the people that he has spent his life with. He's with these disciples, the people he loves, the people he's eaten with, the people he's done life with. And he knows this and he's sharing this with them and they're confused and and, and they're troubled. And what we get in here, as Jesus realizes that, as Jesus knows, and he's explaining to them that he is nearing the end of his time with them, we get almost this this last will and testament, if you will. He tells them what he is leaving them. And what is he leaving them? What is he leaving them? He's leaving them peace. But look at it again. Look, look, at, look at it again. What is he leaving them? He's not leaving them a generic peace. He, he's not leaving them some sort of financial peace or political peace. What is he leaving them? He is leaving them his peace. It is important to understand that today we are talking about Jesus' peace. We are talking about Jesus' peace. And this is huge. Jesus is not just giving peace, he's giving us his peace. He's giving us his peace. And the reason that this is huge, the reason that this is huge is because Jesus' peace is less about my feelings and more about my status. Jesus' peace is less about my feelings and more about my status. And here's what I mean. At the root of all conflict, at the root of of all the reasons that we need peace, at the root of all of that is sin. Hold up. I need a pause. Take a time out. I'm going to take a 20. And here's what's going to happen. I need to explain that for a second. I am not saying that if you're going through a hardship, I am not saying that if you're going through a difficult time, if you have anxiety, I'm not saying that that is a result of you actively sinning. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that from our very first ancestors who rejected God and outright sin and declared war on him, we have lived in a sinful, broken world and all of humanity, you and me, live and exist in this sinful world. And at the root of all of the conflicts against peace is the fact that we exist in a world that does not have peace with God. That does not have peace with God. That is how we enter into this world. And Jesus' peace at its foundation is first peace with God. The peace that Jesus gives us, Jesus' peace is first peace with God. It gives us a status change from being his enemy to being God's child. We have to understand that foundation because it is the key to the rest of what we're going to learn about peace today. That at its root, Jesus' peace is offering us peace with God. And so we're talking about Jesus' peace, and Jesus' peace is less about my feelings and more about my status. And this is huge because it means that Jesus offers us a foundation of peace that includes being at peace with God. And this is different from any other peace that we can experience. What what does Jesus say? What does Jesus say in the verse? What does he say? He says, I do not give to you as the world gives. 
What does that imply? Well, it implies a couple of things. The first thing it implies is this. The world gives peace. We can get peace from the world, right? I mean, think about it. We can have financial peace through retirement counts and saving and all of that. We can have some health peace through medicine and and doctors. And we can have peace in our communities because of police officers and those who sacrifice uh, to keep us safe, right? We can have peace. The world gives us peace. But what happens when the market crashes and my retirement account is completely drained? Right? What happens when the news that the doctor gives me, there's no solution to it from medicine? You see, peace that the world gives is conditional. And what happens in our world is we get this conditional peace and what we are hoping for is that nothing comes in the way of that. We are hoping that there is no conflict that interferes, that there is no hardship that interferes, that nothing comes in the way of that to interrupt that conditional peace. You see, the peace of our culture, if you were to look up, if you were to look it up in the dictionary, the peace of our culture focuses on the absence of something. Jesus' peace focuses on the presence of someone. The peace of our culture focuses on the absence of something, but Jesus' peace focuses on the presence of someone. How do I know that? Look at the verse right before the promise of peace. The verse directly before it. What does it say in verse 26? But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. And then right into that comes peace I leave you. What is Jesus talking about? What is he referring to here? Let's go back a little bit further into verse 16 of chapter 14. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus' promise of peace comes after his promise of the Holy Spirit. Jesus first promises the Holy Spirit, then he promises peace. Peace, if we look in the book of Galatians, is the result, is the fruit of the Holy Spirit's work in us. It isn't a peace that we manufacture. It isn't a peace that if we breathe a certain way or if we read certain books or if we do whatever, that we can kind of manufacture on our own. It is a result of the presence of the divine in our lives. And here's what I mean by that. My phone is old. And the battery stinks. So when I wake up in the morning, it's got 100%. And I go on to fantasy football to look at that stuff and try to see if I can win, which I'm not. And I look at ESPN and I, and I see about ridiculous signings from Shohei Otani and no one should get paid that much to play baseball. And then I play Ninja Turtles. And by 10 o'clock, my phone's dead and it's going to shut off. <clears throat> I know, right? What kind of battery is that? <laughs> It's pretty bad, right? Cultural peace is like me relying on my phone battery. The more I use it, the more it is tasked, the quicker it drains away. 
But if I were to plug that phone in, if I were to plug that phone in and connect it to a source of electrical power, I can make all the fantasy football trade offers I want to make. They'll all be rejected, but I can make them. I can use that phone for whatever I want to do, and that battery won't die because it is connected to the source of power. When it comes to Jesus' peace, we have to remember that we need to plug into the charger. We need to plug into the power. We have spent an entire year, an entire year, saying that we want to build a foundation of discipleship with an emphasis on missions and prayer. Prayer. Plug into that charger. Pray. Plug into that charger. Okay, so we're talking about Jesus' peace today. And the first thing we learned was this. Jesus' peace is less about my feelings and more about my status. The The second thing we learned was that Jesus' peace is different from the peace of our world. The peace of our world is focused on the absence of something. Jesus' peace is focused on the presence of someone It is a result of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in us. And finally, finally, we're going to look at one last lesson about Jesus' peace. The end of the verse says this. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. If I'm honest with you, if I'm going to be vulnerable for a little bit, whenever I have read that in the past, maybe not consciously, but subconsciously, I put an extreme weight on myself in regards to that verse. So if my heart is ever troubled, if I'm ever afraid, I feel this guilt and I feel this shame. My faith must not be strong enough. Jesus is saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. And yet I'm feeling afraid right now. And I'm like, I'm not living up to this command. And I was looking at this verse and I was looking at this passage and I was remembering this week about the the context of it. What is happening? Jesus knows what's going to happen to him. He knows he's about to die. He knows what's going to happen and that he's leaving the ones that he loves. And he sees them. He sees them. He sees that their hearts are troubled and he sees what's going on. Right? And I don't think the way he said it is what I normally Read it as. I don't think it's normal. What I normally would see is like, don't let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. That's how I normally read it. Actually, I think what Jesus was doing was looking at the ones he loved and he was looking at their hearts breaking and he was like, oh, don't let your hearts be troubled. Oh, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's almost like, like when a child wakes up after a nightmare and the parents are like, I'm right here. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It isn't a peace that is focused on controlling situations to avoid conflict and hardship. Jesus knew what was about to happen. He's not telling them not to be afraid because everything is going to be fine. He's not saying don't be afraid because you're going to be fine. Everything's going to be calm. Don't worry about it. That's not what's going on. It's exactly the opposite. Just two chapters later, he's still talking to him in uh, chapter 16. And he says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. 
in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Okay. Remember what we said earlier? The peace of the world is focused on the absence of something. It's focused on trying to create boxes or cocoons and keep anything bad from happening. Don't rock this world. Don't do anything here. Please don't enter my space. Don't rock the waters. Please keep any hardships away. That's not Jesus' peace. What is Jesus saying here? You will have trouble, it's gonna happen. You will have trouble. So if we're going to have trouble in our lives, where does peace come from? It comes from him. We find peace in him. You see, peace is the assurance that Jesus is in control even when everything feels out of control. Peace is the assurance that Jesus is in control even when everything feels out of control. And what, what does Jesus say? He says, take heart, take heart. Why? Why does he say take heart? Because he has overcome the world. He has overcome the world. And you might be sitting there and you're like, yeah, take heart, but you weren't in the doctor's office when they gave me that news. Take heart, you haven't looked at my bank statement. Take heart, because you gave me some water, thank you. You weren't there. You weren't there when everything seemed to fall apart. I wasn't. You're right. And that's incredibly hard. You're right. And I don't know how your situation is going to end. You're right. But do you know what I do know? I know who's offering you peace. He is the Almighty. He is the all-powerful God. He is a loving God. He is a victorious king. He is the mighty savior. He is the prince of peace. He is Jesus. That is where your peace is coming from. And it is in him that we find our peace. And one of the biggest obstacles we have in peace is trying to take that control from him. Peace is the assurance that Jesus is in control even when everything feels out of control. So don't try to take that control back. Don't try to take that control back. That's our biggest obstacle. It's kind of like if you were to to look at a picture of of someone free-falling and their arms are flailing and they're going through the air. And you see this, this picture of panic. But you realize as you're looking at the picture, wait, wait, someone zoomed in. Maybe I need to zoom out of that picture and see the whole picture. And when you zoom out of that picture, what you see is as those arms are flailing and as that person looks like they're falling through the sky, they're just being held in the arms of an almighty God. That's peace. The assurance that God is in control even when everything feels out of control. So what do we do with all that? How do we experience peace in this season? 
Well, the first thing you need to understand in regards to Jesus' peace is <clears throat> you need to know Jesus in order to know Jesus' peace. You need to know Jesus in order to know Jesus' peace. You can't have his peace and not have him. So if you're sitting there in Quakertown or in Souderton or online and you don't know Jesus, don't leave. Don't leave before making that decision. Jesus offers us peace with God. And it's as simple as admitting that we're sinners, believing that he's the only way, and choosing to follow him. And you can do that by simply just whispering a prayer. Come up afterwards. Talk to myself. Come up in Quakertown. Talk to Chad. Talk to one of our staff members here. We'd love to pray with you. You cannot experience Jesus' peace without Jesus. But if, if you are a follower of Jesus, and you're like, okay, I'm following Jesus, but I don't feel very peaceful right now. What do I do then? Because I'm following Jesus, but inside it doesn't feel like peace. I struggle with anxiety. And I didn't realize how much I struggled with anxiety until the past two months. <clears throat> so if you're like me, you might have moments when there's just waves of anxiety and fear. And it's almost crippling. And if you're like me, you don't know what to do with that. One, you need to get help. And that's what I did. But two, you need to understand this. In those moments, in those moments, the tendency that I have, and maybe you have as well, maybe you don't experience it the same way, but maybe you do as well, you begin to form narratives in your head of what might happen. You begin to form, narrative, form narratives in your head of, of things that you're afraid of, of things that could happen. When that happens, I encourage you to stop listening to those narratives and remind you of truth statements. I encourage you to remind you of truth statements, and the best source of truth statements is the Bible. So here are some truth statements that I want to give you. I want you to either take a picture of this, write it down. Maybe you uh, write it on a card. Maybe you've been to our Praying Life seminars here with, with Paul Miller and see Jesus. Maybe you make a prayer card out of this. But I want you to write down these truth statements. The first is this. Jesus is with you. Jesus loves you. Jesus is powerful. Jesus is good. Jesus is unchanging. Jesus is with you. We see that in Matthew 28. We see that when Jesus gives us the great commission. He, and he gives us this command, but with that command comes a promise. What does he say? And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You might feel alone, but you are not. Jesus is with you. And not only is he with you, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. John 15, 9 says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Jesus loves you. This is a true statement. And Jesus not only loves you, he is powerful. 
The verse we just read in John 16, 33. Take heart. Why? I have overcome the world. There is nothing you will face. There is nothing that can come in my way that is stronger than me. I have overcome the world. Jesus is powerful and Jesus is good. Not only is he powerful, if he was powerful and evil, that wouldn't be a source of comfort. But Jesus is powerful and he is good. Psalms 34, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And you know what? He doesn't change. He is unchanging. Hebrews 13, 8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He is unchanging. When you are facing something, remind yourselves of these truths. Jesus is with you. Jesus loves you. Jesus is powerful. Jesus is good. And Jesus is unchanging. You see, Jesus' peace is the assurance that Jesus is in control even when everything feels out of control. It is a peace that is not focused on the absence of something, but is focused on the presence of someone. And it is less about my feelings and more about my status. I am no longer an enemy of God. I am his child. I belong to him. And because of that, I am at peace with him. And because of that, everything changes. For real, no cap. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this peace that you offer and to us and that you give to us. Not a flaky, conditional peace that we can manufacture, but instead a secure, powerful peace that only comes from you. And I ask you that that peace will be real in the hearts of everyone who is hearing your word today. That this season you would make that peace so real that no matter what we face, it will be evident. Bless this people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.